everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Ali Fassel, a celebrated Indian actor, model, and Bollywood star. He's appeared in a number of Bollywood films, and he made his Hollywood debut in Furious 7. In 2017, he starred in the British-American film Victoria and Abdul, alongside Judi Dench. His latest film is Kandahar with Gerard Butler. And as you know, in every episode, I like to feature a song of mine underneath the introduction and at the end, and I always try to make that song relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, my featured song is Hollywood from the PGS Experience album by my band Project Grand Slam. Well, this one was easy. Ali has made the transition from Bollywood to Hollywood. So I thought that my song fits perfectly. So Ali Fassel, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. Thank you. Thank you so much, Robert. It's uh, truly an honor being part of this today. And uh, wow, that's quite an introduction. (laughs) Well, you know, what makes this interesting to me, among other things, is the fact that you're in India right now. I'm obviously in the United States. We're separated by a million hours. It's your evening. It's my morning. And yet we're able to talk and converse and look at each other as if we're right next door to one another. Yeah. Yeah, that's the world for you now. That's right. And it sometimes feel it's all it's all closing in, right? It's so fast. It's getting smaller and smaller. One world. Yeah, yeah. I agree. All right. So tell me your background. You were born in India. Where were you born? All right. I was I was born in Delhi, which is the capital of India. But I never I was never raised there. I was raised in a small city called Lucknow, which is in Uttar Pradesh, uh, for a little part of my life. After which I switched and went to a city called Dehradun, uh, which is in the mountains. It was a boarding school where I was sent to by my parents at the time. Yeah, I completed my education there and moved over to Bombay for college. And then actually a lot more happened after that. But I did my master's and I, I, mean, I was a science guy. You went from science to acting, huh? Tell us about that transition. Well, it was it was a weird transition that happened in school because I, I I was a basketball player and I used to play a lot of field sports, but basketball was a big one back in school. And I remember breaking my arm and my like I dislocated my shoulder. And because it was a boarding school, we were always involved in activities. And I remember I thought my life was over as I knew it. And then boom, my friend comes in and says, "Hey, buddy." Your English isn't bad. There's a play happening. It's Shakespeare. It's called The Tempest. Why don't you go audition? I said, okay, you know. And there was this really interesting um, gypsy family sort of down from Canada or somewhere. And 
very, very interesting bunch of people who were, I think, I can't remember his name, but he was directing the play. And um, it was also a very weird affair that went on with one of his daughters and we just became great friends. And it was quite notorious at the time because it was an all-boys school back in India and to suddenly have <laughs> just, you know, white people come in and I'm having this torrid uh, affair with one of them and getting introduced to Beatles for the first time in my life. So music was coming in big for someone who had never heard this band before and at the same time learning Shakespeare, uh, getting to know Shakespeare in a very, very interesting way. You were the bad boy of that school, huh? Oh, man, I don't know what I was, but it was, it just, it was one thing to the next. And yeah, I ended up performing, doing that play. I literally ended up doing it because she was part of it. And then it turns out to be my career. You went from science to basketball to Shakespeare. That's quite a transition. You know, I'm interested <laughs> on the basketball thing. Do you guys follow American basketball or is it international basketball that you follow in India? No, no, no. Actually, mostly it's NBA. My friend Vijay, actually, he's a, you know, and he's, he's, he's an ardent follower and he follows the playoffs. I mean, every season. I think somewhere along the way when I broke my arm, it was truly life-altering. It was heartbreaking. For me, it was very heartbreaking. I grew up thinking I was going to be representing my country in sport. And just, I detached myself from even watching it. It used to pain me to watch the game for a long, long time. But of course, now, I mean, I, you know, I, I go back. <laughs> now you're representing your country as an actor. So you've done a pretty good job there. All right. Tell me about Shakespeare. I mean, that was a whole different world for you. You're talking about, one, you know, the greatest playwright in the history of the world. It's obviously a non-Indian thing. It's, it's, it's in English. Tell me what it was like for you. It was, I mean, it was the first time in my life I got on the stage. I still remember the, that point and rehearsing that play was the same discipline I used to find in sport. That attracted me because it was a responsibility. Suddenly one day I'm in front of 250 people in an amphitheater. And for that one moment, for the next whatever, those moments, one and a half hours, two hours, no, actually Shakespeare was about two and a half hour long play. Every twitch on those faces had something to do with me or, or, or a contribution for me standing on stage somewhere playing a part. And, and that, that fascinated me. It was a weird, I mean, it sounds wrong maybe, but it was kind of a power trip or a, you know, very... <laughs> It's like you, I'm controlling these. Everybody's guys. focused on you. That was what you're saying. I mean, yeah, I get to decide those emotions in that moment. You move people. You know, it's a rhythm that that begins when you begin that. The first ah, the sound that comes out of your mouth. It it starts to trickle. That has to reach there all the way. It's the same with music, right? I mean. It's amazing. The magic happens when it lands on the audience and, and somebody somewhere shudders or, or feels something or something moves. Make a connection. That's truly spiritual, I think. Yes. All right. So I want to hear the next transition. Somehow you got to Bollywood. Okay. And for anybody who hasn't seen a Bollywood movie, they're the craziest movies from you know a Western standpoint. <laughs> and you guys all do this dancing stuff at the end, don't you? 
Tell me about the whole Bollywood experience. Oh, man. Okay, I have to clarify this to all the 200 countries listening and maybe even more, right? So Indian movies are a big diaspora, right? Where we have some five, six different languages uh, that are functioning in cinema, more than 25, 30 languages in the country, maybe even more. The Hindi film industry is called Bollywood, which is one language. And there, of course, for a long time, there was song and dance, which we're very proud of. But also we have some really serious stuff coming out uh, and some very, I mean, we've had great eras from the 1950s. We had Shotajit Roy making Pather Panchali, making so many iconic films. Of course, he's not just the only director that came out of India at the time, but that was known as the golden period of Indian cinema because they were exchanging notes on a global scale. And then we went down. We came back with song and dance. And now again, the big churn is happening as we speak. So, so yeah, I hope to be part of that, that wagon. But you got to explain it to me. You know, you'll see a Bollywood movie. It could be a serious movie. It could be a funny movie. It could be whatever kind of movie. And at the end, when the credits are supposed to be rolling, <laughs> everybody's dancing. Okay. Yeah. Where did that come from? Who came up with that idea? You know, I think it's a it's a sense of celebration. It's a sense of uh, celebration that the movie's over. <laughs> well, you know, the story is over. There's there's we've rounded things off. You know, we've uh -huh. we've brought you to the final culmination, right? Like a lot of times in movies, uh, you know, they say the last part of the edit of a film is when the community comes and sits in the theater and watches the movie, right? That's the final uh, the lock on the edit. Similarly, in India, we celebrate things. We're loud about it. Our festivals are larger than life. You know, our emotions are larger than life. A little larger. I suppose it's, a, it's an extension of that, you know, to be able to do that through song and dance. All right. So I want to know one thing. When you did the movie with Judy Dench, did you get her to dance at the end too? Oh, yeah. Not in the end, but I did get her to dance. And she did good. She did pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about that experience. I mean, she's one of the great actresses of the world. So tell me about that experience for you. Oh, I think uh, it's been one of the most rewarding experiences because it was actually for India, it was a big stepping stone. It was, I was the first male lead to be, you know, heading a project, a movie with the likes of Judy Dench and others like uh, Michael Gambon, Tim Pickett Smith, um, we had a series of actors and Stephen Frears directing it. So that was a great bunch. Judy is, um, is a trooper. Her work says it all. Well, she is a remarkable actress. And the fact that you were starring in a movie with her, kudos to you that you got that part. And now you're starring with Gerald Butler. I mean, he's one of my favorite action stars. Tell us about that experience in Kandahar. Oh, that's been amazing. I... Um... Uh, of course, I knew Gerard Butler was was part of the movie before, but uh, it's it's been a very interesting teamwork and a collaborative effort for me working on this film, because Jerry was also he's also producer on the film and he's been very generous. You know, he doesn't have to be; he's a star, but he's been supportive along with Rick Roman Waugh, who's our director, somebody who really. Uh, knows what team effort is and collaboration is in its true sense because 
I've seen my part evolve over the one year before we began shooting the film, you know, just through our discussions and uh, I suppose my knowledge and his knowledge on geopolitics and, and the politics of that place where we're depicting this story. Kandahar is a very, very complex situation in the world. You know, it's a lot of ideologies coming together, but the whole movie is a commentary on the business of war. That's essentially what it is. And I guess that's what Rick has tried to speak through this. Is it an action movie? Oh, it is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Jared Butler action film. Hell yeah. <laughs> Do you live or die in that movie? Tell us the end. I live. I live. All right. Good for you. <laughs> what else are you doing these days? Um, I'm very, very excited to start a new film here. It's a film with a very renowned director called Anurag Basu. Uh, he's an Indian film director. And there's an off-Broadway play that I might be prepping for in the next coming months. Um, which, um, yeah, we begin rehearsals in New York in August. And another film of mine is up for release. But I think we're, we're in festivals right now or maybe going to premieres. So are you more comfortable filming these movies in India or outside of India with Indian actors, without Indian actors? Tell us what the go-between is in that regard. You know, I think my biggest buy-in into any film, into any narrative, is usually based on the script and what I can bring to it. Uh, be it in India, be it outside. I like working outside because I think I've found myself with directors who can really push me out of my comfort zone. India, we, you know, we're we're really molly cuddled and and treated like, uh, yeah, it's 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 a conditioning that you get too comfortable with. Of course, over the years that I've been doing movies here, you're pampered and and I can carry on being part of that. But I I, I do feel there are stories to tell some interesting skills to learn still. I, I have to learn. I have to keep learning. I keep feeling time's running out. Time is running out. Come on, you young. No time running out for you. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Robert Miller, your host. As you know by now, I'm a professional musician in addition to hosting this Follow Your Dream podcast. In fact, I just released my 13th album, all since I followed my dream after I turned 60. The album is called It's Alive, and it's a live recording by my band, Project Grand Slam, featuring 13 of our greatest hits, recorded at festivals in Pennsylvania and Serbia. The reviewers have called it a masterpiece and an instant classic. I introduced this album through a podcast episode, which has now been downloaded by thousands of listeners from over 120 countries, which shows the power and worldwide reach of this podcast. When I began the podcast, I had no idea where it would go, but here we are just over two years later, and the podcast is ranked in the top 1% with listeners in 200 countries. It's been a joyride for me, my guests, and for my thousands of listeners. 
If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast so you get each episode when it airs. And you must visit our website at followyourdreampodcast.com to check out all of our episodes, our famous guests, and much more. I want to thank you for listening and keep on rocking. So I'm interested, are you in danger in any way of getting typecast in these movies or are you allowed to kind of spread out? Now I am. I think there was a big landmark uh, shift in my career in India when I, I did a, a show called Mirzapur. That's an Amazon show that I'm leading. It became a mammoth show. And I suppose that that connected instantly with a billion people because it was, I mean, it was an underdog story. You know, it's kind of like City of God meets Godfather of sorts, you know, but very Indian, very rooted. And that sort of then gave me the chance to experiment with roles and not get typecasted. But yes, of course. I mean, unfortunately, in many, you know, territories, you are your last Friday. So that's where most of the casting comes from. But I get to experiment in Hollywood. I get to be up for parts that, sometimes I would not start myself in for, which I, I guess I thank my agents for that, for sort of throwing me into the deep end. Yes. Our mutual friend, Navid Negaban, got typecast for a while as he likes to say the big bad wolf, playing all these nasty guys in these movies. And I said to him when, when I did his interview recently, I said, we got to make you a romantic lead, okay? And uh, he was all for that. What's the part that would be your dream part? You know, it's, it's so interesting you said that. I was literally telling somebody, I've not seen a genuine love story in a long time. Just, just a good, well-written love story. Sometimes I wish the simplest emotions and, and relationships are the hardest to portray because there's no crazy drama there, but they're, they're very complicated because that's life. It's hard to write. I suppose that's one of the reasons why, of course, this is a day and age where we're feeding off spectacle films, you know, spectacle narrative. It's, it's, it's let's boost the adrenaline and, you know, get the gig in. Yes. But uh, I would love to be part of uh, something, some good dramas. I've never been part of that. All right. We'll push for that as part of this, okay? All right. Let's get that message out to the world to give Ali a chance to do that love story. I mean, because you're right, in Western movies, it seems like the sequel is where it's at, okay? Like you did Furious 7. I don't know how many Furious movies there are now. We're probably up to Furious 21 or something like that. Um, once they find that something works, they just want to repeat, repeat, repeat. Same in music, same in almost all the arts. You find that things are maybe a little bit more experimental in India? I think now they are. I think now people are being able to take a chance. Ever since, you know, the OTT came in, the Amazons and the Netflix, a lot of people are getting the chance to experiment. A lot of directors and actors are getting so much more work. Um, I think that is, that is changing the game. I think so many people in the West don't understand how big a market India is. You know, here in America, we've got about 350 million people. In India, 
you've got a billion and a half people and you've got all these different languages and all these different backgrounds, like you said. And uh, it's a hodgepodge of a country compared to so many countries in the West. Where do you see the arts going in India? I think we're going to a very, through very, very trying and um, tumultuous time, you know, in India with the arts. On one side, there's a lot of censorship. A lot of artists are scared to to really project what they really want to, uh, to tell stories that they really want to. On the other hand, there are some really uh, bold filmmakers who are entering festivals. Uh, just last year, Shonak Sen, uh, who's made a very good documentary called All That Breeds, was nominated for the Oscars, uh, along with Navalny and all the others. But there was no mention in Indian media about that, you know? Of course, uh, there was the other short documentary that won the Oscar, and RRR, which won for music, because it was out there, it was a spectacle film, and, you know, it was marketed well. But, yeah, it's a, it's a very confusing time for artists right now, you know? You don't know which side of the, the narrative you are. And unfortunately or fortunately, I think societies and the conditions they are in at that time in space and time, uh, they, they affect your cinema. They affect the narratives uh, and the other way around sometimes, you know. Well, I think you've made a terrific impact because you've been able to go back and forth between Bollywood world and the Hollywood world. And I commend you for that. I'm sure it's not easy to go back and forth between those two worlds. We have been speaking here with Ali Fazl, a remarkable Indian actor, and you had a modeling career. We didn't even get a chance to talk about that. You're a Bollywood star, a Hollywood star. You've been with all these great actors and actresses. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Robert. This has been, this has been amazing. I, I seldom end up sharing notes like this. <laughs> about my life with people. So, yes, this has been nice. I want to dig down and get the essence of Ali Fazl. <laughs> I hope I got somewhere close to there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's For sure. All right, we're going to listen now to that song of mine that started off the episode. It's called Hollywood, and it's from the album The PGS Experience by my band Project Grand Slam. I want to thank you all for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com. <laughs>